Hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization. If you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, web mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenue-driven-cmo.com slash free fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it literally zero downside unlimited potential for growth so do yourself a favor revenue driven cmo.com slash free no hyphens no punctuations you will be happy about that decision there are secrets out there guys performance marketing secrets and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels let's go This is the Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. Join me as I uncover the secrets of the world's most elite CMOs and marketing leaders. The Revenue Driven CMO is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your main man, Chris Mechanic. We have got an awesome show in store for you today. Uh, Our guest today is a dedicated marketing leader with over 10 years of experience leading global orgs. He's a, a coach. He's a talent cultivator. He's a creator, uh, of content, um, as well as a member of the Forbes Business Development Co- Council, ex Yapo, ex High Bob, currently VP of Marketing at Grin, uh, which is a platform to help manage creator uh, relationships. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Ali Fuzzle. Welcome to the show, Ali. Super excited to speak with you, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat. Yeah. And so I know we were talking pre-show. I know you've got an awesome uh, secret to share. Why don't, why don't we jump right into it? Let everybody know, like, what is one of your big secrets to success in marketing? Okay. So uh, I think a lot of people, especially now, are really trying to like do more with less, right? And when you think about doing more with less, people tend to really over-index on paid, on what they call proven channels. But I would say the biggest secret I found to like hacking marketing is really investing in a strong content engine. And that may sound counterintuitive, right? Because especially with AI, people are like, oh, we can just use ChatGPT to generate 40 blogs a day and, you know, stay top of mind. And it's true, AI can like superpower content a little bit, but I really think of content as the bedrock of the entire marketing function. So Mm -hmm. it helps inform your paid advertising and your demand gen efforts to be richer and better and more appealing to your audiences. It helps your product marketing sort of stay on top of trends, stay on top of like industry and ecosystem stuff. And most importantly, it serves as a North Star for every go-to-market person within your organization so that they know exactly where the company is headed and exactly what to talk about when they're speaking to people sort of outside the building. So I would say, you know, at every team I've run, there has always been pressure to, you know, like invest more in roles that are 
quote unquote revenue generating, right? People who are actually like their function of their job is to bring in revenue. But I've always held really strong that we need to have very strong content marketers who are able to help sort of guide us forward, stay on top of the industry, create really rich content that like AI just cannot create. Um, yeah. Uh, and serve as sort of like a North Star or a lighthouse for the rest of the organization in terms of how we speak about our products and our category. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think like if you ask CMOs, they'll all unanimously say, yes, content is important. Yes, we should invest in content. But how do you do that? It sounds like you've got an effective method of actually like investing in content. Can you tell us a little bit about your approach there? Yeah, I think theoretically they would say, yeah, of course, invest in content. But if they have to choose one rec out of two and the options are either hiring someone to like run Facebook ads or content person, I think a lot of people would choose the Facebook ad person because they want to keep the lights on. They want to keep the demand gen engine running. Um, but I actually, that's the wrong choice. I think if you're going to use AI to do anything, use the AI to like automate and build strategy for some of your demand gen and have like a person with a real brain and a real like creative spirit working in content. Um, I think, you know, tech has also changed in the last like 10 years. You know, it's rare to see a tech company that has like a a full editor in chief and like a 40 person content staff running their content marketing. I think you can do a lot more with less now, particularly with the advent of AI and using like different tools to help accelerate content writing. But I think the the key is making sure that your content team is really closely connected with the business and what you're trying to accomplish and making sure that every piece of content you develop is done for a reason. So whether it's done to drive like awareness, whether it's meant to be like part of the conversion area of the funnel, whether it's meant to sort of introduce you to a new vertical, new geography, whether it's meant to get people to think about your product or your offering a little bit differently. I think being really purposeful behind the content you develop is really the key to making sure it's successful. I think I've observed a lot of times people will just like, hire someone, give them a list of like 15 ideas that came from the CEO, right? Because CEOs love to be like, oh, we should write a blog about this or like, oh, we should publish a white paper about this. And they just have this like Google doc list of stuff that they want the content writer to write. They're like, okay, go write it. Without like a plan or a strategy in place for who this content's supposed to reach, what its purpose is, how you can take one piece of content and use it to impact every other part of marketing from like your sales process, to your paid ads, to all of your demand gen tactics. People don't usually think about it. People don't think of content as the start. They think of content as a piece like towards the middle or the end. Like, hey, we're launching a new product. Demand gen is going to run ads. Product marketing is going to do training. You know, the brand team is going to put out a press release and do PR. And oh yeah, at some point we'll do like a blog or a white paper just so we can like, you know, get leads and share it on LinkedIn. They don't think of content as being sort of the bedrock of where everything starts. I agree. I agree. And I want to give people something that they can latch onto. The scenario that you described sounds so familiar. It's like, hey, here's a list of 15 things, Mr. Content Person or Miss Content Person, like go write about them because the CEO likes them or whatever, (laughs) or whatever it is. So for everybody listening right now, like how should that sound or how should they approach it? Suppose that they have the content people in-house, they still have the CEO asking for these different types of things. They don't yet have a plan in place. Walk us through the process uh, and we can we can totally use, like if you want to use Grin as an example, just to like really kind of add a little bit of teeth to it and take it home so that people can like really understand, um, that would be, I think, I think really useful for, for the listeners. Sure. So I think um, 
if you hire a good person, you hire good content people, they know how to do their job well, right? And so I think what is often done is people will generate a bunch of strategies, you know, within the marketing leadership team, and then delegate stuff to content. And I think really, it should be the other way around. So what I would say is like, everybody who's listening to this has some sort of priorities for the year, maybe they're looking to expand the verticals that their product reaches, maybe they're looking to expand into new geographies, maybe they, you know, are stuck within one type of buyer, and they're looking to expand to a different type. Yeah, of they want to go up market, right? Everyone wants to go up market. Maybe they're launching new products or they're launching self-serve or they're like, you know, launching a, a different like product offering, whatever it is, you have like a business goal that you're trying to accomplish. And so much time and energy is put into taking whatever that business goal is to market. You're working with RevOps, you're working with like demand gen, you're working with product marketing to make sure everybody's trained. And people often leave content out of that. And so my advice to people would be like, start with content. Say like, hey, as an example, it's like, let's say, you know, Grin has traditionally been a tool built for e-commerce companies or retail companies to help them partner with creators. Let's say we want to start working with companies in the travel and hospitality space. The first place I would go is to my content team and be like, okay, we have these people do research on the personas and let's figure out like what the, what this audience thinks about creator management today. And let's come up with a strategy of how we can change their minds to help them get to where we want them to get. And you start with content and then you build the rest of the plan backwards from that because they're going to be able to have the creative ideas to think through how to actually like shift someone's perspective, how to get them to look at something that they thought they knew in a new way. Like those, that's a skill set that really only a content person has and no one else on the marketing team has. And if you bring them into the process too late, you risk just like turning them into like a, a task doer who's writing exactly what you want them to write instead of them thinking creatively about like how do we achieve the end goal that the business needs and then having everything cascade from there brilliant that's really smart leadership i think it was jobs or somebody was like you don't hire an expert and tell them what to do you hire an expert to tell you what to do right um so i love that example i think that it really brings it home uh the last question and sorry that this is getting very micro i just want this to be like hyper relevant and actionable for people but so uh, I love the example that you provided with with Grin, right? Like you want to get more into travel and hospitality, so so you you task your content team or you you put an ask out there for like, hey, how can we do this? You get their brain thinking about it. What would a good response to that be? Like like a good uh, a good idea for content in that realm. So I'll give you two examples. I'll give you like. I think what happens at most companies, which is um, someone, let's say like a CEO, a CRO is like, there's an opportunity in travel and hospitality. Let's pursue it, right? Sales and marketing will get together. They'll be like, okay, there seem to be enough accounts or enough like market share here. Let's go after it. Sales gets trained on how to like position the product to those people. Product marketing does some research on personas, buyer personas, stuff like that. Demand gen builds a plan of how we're going to reach in this case, travel and hospitality. And then content is brought in at the end. They're brought in to be like, hey, we would love to have like a gated guidebook that we can like, you know, put in our email marketing or put on a landing page that like people can download and we'll get their information. Yeah. And then the like the ultimate guide for dominating with creators in travel and hospitality. That's what demand gen asks for. And so that's not good. And that, and I think, I mean, that's fine. That, that asset could work, but I think the way that, that, the ideal response for me is to go to someone on my content team and say, hey, look, here's 
the issue that we're having. People in travel and hospitality don't think of influencers the same way as people who sell physical products do, right? When you're working with a retail company, it's easy to feature their products in a post or in a video, a reel, a TikTok, because it's a physical product that I can hold up, talk about, and feature, and people can buy. Yeah. Uh, travel and hospitality, their products are not physical products, right? They're selling right. either a destination, a location, a an idea, or a vision. It's usually longer term. Nobody impulse buys travel. Usually, it requires a lot more research. So it's a yeah. different buyer. I would go to my my content team. I have an amazing content writer on my team. His name is Quinn. I would say, let's go to him and think through how can we get this person in travel and hospitality to understand this and let him come back with what he thinks the right plan is. Maybe it's a combination of like social, maybe it's something long form, maybe it's video, maybe it's like podcast, maybe it's, uh, you know, like micro learning, whatever it may be. I trust him to understand how people absorb information and how to best convey that information to them. So it just right. sort of like flips the process on its head. And then when he comes up with the right thing to do, then we go to demand gen together and say like, okay, here's what we have. And here's how you guys should take it to market and serve it to different audiences. Yeah. Um, so I would say like, ideally like lean on your content team because their whole job and how they've been trained and how they've been indoctrinated within content marketing is getting their content to be as readable and effective as possible. And so ultimately, if you start with that person whose job it is to make sure that what they're putting together is readable and effective at accomplishing its goal, everything can cascade from there. Um, yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah, I guess um, I was looking for an example of Quinn's response. Like like Quinn comes back. He's like, hey, look, I've done the research. Like, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, I'll give I you. I just want to. I was wondering if it if it's something that could be as simple as like, hey, here's the ultimate guide to dominating with creators for hotels, or if it's like something sort of deeper than that. I'll give you an example. So um, we recently launched a product for creators. So Grand historically has been uh, a platform that has worked to help brands or companies find and work with influencers, creators, etc. Um, we recently launched a product for the actual creators themselves. Um, you can find it at creators.grin.co. It's a product that helps them sort of manage their businesses, reach out to brands and companies to secure brand partnerships and deals. Um, and so as we were launching that product, we all, everybody on my team who built this product went to Quinn and was like, how do you think we should get the word out there for this? And Quinn is actually the one who came up with a plan to use influencers to actually like advertise this product. So by the time this podcast goes live, there will be a ton of influencer content out there to help like promote this new creator product, mm. uh, and like a full plan that included all of the demand gen touch points, all of the like training and product marketing touch points. But like he built the plan um, as the content person because he's the one coming up with the words and with the sequencing. So yeah. I think ideally, if you if you enable a content person with this responsibility and they build the social media plan, they build the rollout, they build like the the sequencing of how the market finds out about something, then you're able to like leverage the best of their skill set because they're not just thinking about it in terms of like dates and times and like, how can we get this stuff done in enough time? He's thinking about it in terms of like taking the actual audience on a journey psychologically and getting them to the place that we need to get them to, because that's his job working in content. So yeah. ended up with a much richer and more effective plan because it started with content as opposed to if it had started somewhere else and then content had been looped in later. Yeah. 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 No, you definitely have driven that point home. And it sounds like you guys are really next level content wise. Like it's, it's like every brand has content. Every brand's creating content, but I don't think that they're starting with the content team, like you're saying. So I think that's a really good hack. 
And I've got well, other questions about it too. Go ahead. I mean, think about it this way. Every um every business is trying to like accomplish something unique, right? So, you know, for Grin, for us, for example, it's that there is no formalized playbook for how to run influencer marketing, right? There, like if you if you think of email marketing as a category, Marketo has really like defined a playbook of like this is how you do it. And whether you're a company that's in fintech or healthcare tech or education tech or marketing tech. Whatever it is, you follow this playbook because Marketo has laid it out. It's been in the works for decades. It's been like finessed, polished. And regardless of how big your company is, regardless of what your spend is, you follow this very basic playbook of how to do email marketing well. That mm. essentially HubSpot and Marketo have sort of like co-piloted together and is now an industry standard. That mm. standard doesn't has not historically really existed in my industry in influencer marketing. And mm. so a big part of what we've endeavored to do over the last few years is really build that playbook for people. Because if you look at any brand that you think is killing it on social, you might say Nike, I might ask someone else and they would say like Skims or Kylie Cosmetics. I might ask someone else and they might say, oh, Warby Parker, right? And if you look at the what all three brands are doing, it's completely different. Yeah. And so I think what we're trying to do is really centralize the approach behind influencer marketing and creator management and deliver like a scientific way to achieve success. And so mm -hmm. for me, that's like, that's my endeavor at Grin, right? Like that's our goal. Everybody listening to this has some sort of goal or paradigm shift that they're trying to accomplish through their marketing. And I think if you start with content, you'll have a much like richer and more, um, more effective and, and, and longer tail strategy than if you just tell your demand gen team, like, Hey, I want to bring in a hundred leads in this new vertical by March 31st. And yeah, that's like a short-term thing. It's not really like achieving the the holistic shift that you're looking for. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, you know, as somebody that works with many companies and many leaders, you would be amazed at like how frequently when you ask somebody about their goals, that they, they go right to the number of leads. They're like, hey, we need, you know, a thousand MQLs and 250 SQLs and this amount of pipeline value. Uh, but they very rarely say something like what you said about like, hey, we're trying to create the playbook for influencer marketing. Like it's it it's don't get me wrong to the tune have, of like. Go ahead. I would say I have those numbers as well. Like those are my goals, right? That's how I get paid. So I have those numbers as well. But what what I'm concerned about is like, yeah, I could bring in a bunch of leads that won't close because they're not the right people. Or I could bring a bunch of leads that close, but then churn because they were never the right customer to begin with. And so ultimately, like, I think you have to have a broader goal that you're trying to achieve that will help you back into your number, not the other way around. Yeah, brilliant. So that's another good takeaway for people, because I think like you rattled that uh, that higher level goal right off the top of your head. But I think for some of the people listening here, they may not really have so much clarity over what that higher level goal is for themselves. But I really liked yours, though, and grins like that sounds, uh, you know, smart, like specific, measurable, attainable, realistic. Um, so that's a really good goal. And it, and it would be badass. It's almost like it's almost like category creator style. Like if you guys are known as, you know, as the company that that wrote the playbook for how to do influencer marketing, that'd be really, really cool. Yeah, I mean. I would urge anyone who's like listening who does not have a, a goal, like an overarching goal, it really starts with the funnel, right? Because there is a hole in your funnel somewhere. 
Either you're yeah. bringing in leads and they're not converting to opportunities or your opportunities are converting at a lower rate than you want, or the deals are closing at a lower contract value than you want, or they're renewing at a different rate than you want. Wherever that hole is, use that to identify the bigger market problem that is leading to it and then turn that into your overarching goal. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that that's an interesting uh, way to think of it. So, um, so how did you guys, or is that the, the philosophy or the uh, methodology that you used at Grin to come up with your goal? I think so. Um, in 2021, we, uh, we pioneered the category creator management and it's because we felt that influencer marketing was just too small to describe this sort of big paradigm shift that was happening on social. And when you use the word influencer, it means something different to everybody. But I think a lot of people still, even in 2023 or 2024 now, think when they hear influencer, they think of like a contestant from The Bachelor who's holding up like protein powder that they've never used. And it's just like one static Instagram post. They're not really thinking about how creators and people who have a following online can impact every part of your funnel, right? Mm -hmm. I think they say that it takes uh, somewhere between like six to eight impressions of a brand before you actually remember the brand's name and are able to have a recall. And it's yeah. like, where are you going to get those six to eight? Like, are you expecting people to just drive faster billboards? Are you expecting people to happen to like not skip the advertisements that you're running on YouTube? Like, how are you going to get those six to eight? And the, the answer in 2024 is you get them online, but you can't get them solely from your organic owned property, right? Because unless people are already a fan of your brand, they're not going to follow you. Right. Like, why would I follow the Four Seasons Hotel or why would I follow Warby Parker if I wasn't a fan of that brand? So if you're mm -hmm. trying to reach me, you have to reach me through people who I organically follow and interact with. And that is content creators. So it could be someone who's like a traditional influencer, like who does lifestyle, beauty, skincare content, fashion, stuff like that. Or it could be someone who I follow because I think they're funny or I think they're aspirational or I find them to be educational and enriching for me. But like we all have people who we're magnetized, who are drawn to online. We all have parasocial relationships with people on the internet. And so if you're a company who's looking to drive awareness, finding people whose followers match the audience you're trying to reach is the most efficient way to like completely boost your funnel. And so when we yeah. were thinking about this realization, um, we realized that the term influencer marketing was so small because it doesn't, it doesn't encompass podcasters. It doesn't encompass athletes who do endorsements. It doesn't encompass like celebrities. It doesn't encompass people who do branded content. It doesn't encompass PR content. Um, and so there's just, uh, there, it doesn't encompass companies who use, content creators online solely for UGC. So they're partnering with content creators online and those people never post it to their own channels. They hand that content directly back to the brand for them to use. And so when we thought about all these different disparate use cases, we were like, they all fall under one umbrella and that umbrella is creator management. And mm -hmm. so we pioneered the category in 2021 and our mission since has been sort of to help people understand that like the way that you get content to use in your email marketing and on your website from people on the internet and the way that you get people to post endorsements for you, the way that you send product to athletes to help hope that they wear on the field, all of those are part of one holistic strategy because you're marketing through humans. And so um, when you asked about how we came up with our goal, really we were like, people don't understand that all of these disparate things fall under one umbrella. And so that sort of became our goal to help people understand that all of these sort of misaligned strategies can actually live together and become more effective if you think about them as one discipline. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So, uh, 
So influencer and creator are not synonymous in your mind, but influencers are like a subset of creators. There's other types of creators other than just influencers. That's correct. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, I think people just have like a, a weird connotation with influencer. Um, I would guess that when you hear that word, something pops into your mind. And my guess is that for a lot of people, that's not a favorable connotation. Like it's not like uh, a great word. And so I think creator encompasses the full gamut of people because not everybody uh, has an online presence purely to sell products to their audience. People right. have online presences for a lot of reasons. And so everybody whom you follow, whether it's an athlete that you like because you like their performance, whether it's like a comedian that you follow because they make you laugh, whether it's someone who does like history content on like the Civil War and who makes you think like you follow people for different reasons. But all of those people are creators because they're creating yeah. something for you as an audience member to enjoy. hundred percent, hundred percent. So how did you get into all this? Like, were you involved um, like within the creator ecosystem in your previous roles or is Grin your first parlay into creators? So I have always had like an online shopping problem. So I, I like have always been drawn to uh, technology that sort of like is brand forward and brand centric i also just find the way that commerce and social commerce has changed in the last like five to ten years really fascinating like and i think about all the power shifts that have gone on between consumers and companies like think about it this way it's so crazy that 10 years ago we would be willing to show up to a store at six in the morning wait by their rules because they don't open till eight we would line up we would waste our time lining up and then we would be thrilled if they agreed to sell us this product if we happened to get our hands on them. And yeah. if you think about how that, like, that I, I lined up for the iPhone 4, right? And I was so thrilled that I got my hands on one. And I was like, why am I now thinking about it in my modern lens? I'm like, I'm the one who paid $1,000 for this phone. Like, why am I the one who was just hoping to get my hands on it? Yeah. And it's crazy to think about that because the power has really shifted away from companies and towards individuals. Now mm. it's on the company to like find me somewhere online, make sure that I'm interested in their product, give me the information I need. And if you're lucky, I'll buy it. And so I've just been really fascinated by this like psychological shift that's happened within the consumer mindset. Um, two companies ago, I started working at a company called Yachtpo that primarily at the time worked with e-commerce brands and direct to consumer brands as well to help them gather like review feedback from customers. And that's when I first started to understand that just like the, the interaction between consumers and brands is really changing and evolving very quickly. And then COVID really like put that into overdrive because the way yeah. that people decided to spend their money, the way that people um, sort of became immune to bullshit um, and airbrushing and, you know, products that didn't really work. And then with the advent of TikTok and short form content, it sort of like boosted that even further. So I knew when I was look when I was like, you know, um, on the hunt for something new, I was like, I really want to be a part of this, like mm -hmm. this new dynamic that exists between brands and their audiences. And so it felt like creator really fit well in there. So great is my first foray into like the creator economy for sure. But I've mm -hmm. always sort of had my eye on like the, the brand and consumer ecosystem. That's awesome. I love how you turned your shopping problem into basically a <laughs> career opportunity. Right. I tell uh, I tell my team that like our deals channel in Slack is like my personal hell because whenever somebody closes a deal, of course, I have to go to the website and quite often I end up buying something. Oh, so that's funny. at this point, I just have to beg our sales team to hope that they get like discount codes 
Second yeah. That's that's awesome. Well, uh, you guys seem to be killing it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm on the website right now. It's really well done. I see like your uh, your logo montage working with Hershey, Kylie Cosmetics by Kylie Jenner, Pac Sun. I mean, Pac Sun is massive, and Kylie Cos like these are massive companies. These aren't just like you know run of the mill mom and pops. Vera Bradley. So you guys are working with some big names, Con Air. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really proud of what we've accomplished over the last few years. Like we had a year, but my first year at Grin, we doubled. My second year, we tripled in ARR. So it's just been like a really fun ride. And I think like we're lucky because we have the tailwind of what is happening on social every single day, right? Like whether Grin was here or not, the way that people interact with social media has like forever changed. Um, and so we're lucky that we get to be kind of like in the eye of that storm. Yeah. Uh, and, and granted, I mean, we have a lot of like large enterprise clients, like the ones you mentioned, we have a lot of clients that are, you know, sort of just getting started. Um, and I think the beauty of it is that influencer marketing and creator management is for a brand of any size. Like there's something that you can do. You would do, you would approach it differently for a brand like a Macy's or Conair. You're probably using influencer marketing for brand awareness, right? To try and like keep your brand top of mind when people want to shop for something. So mm. for a brand like Conair, it's like you want to make sure that people remember the Conair brand when they're at CVS next and they're buying something. That's yeah. the goal of influencer marketing for them. If you're a smaller brand who's just getting started, you really want to use influencer marketing to drive conversions and sales, right? Because that's how you can grow your business. So there's yeah. it's such a rich area that you're able to accomplish so much. It touches so many different parts of the marketing funnel um, and it can impact everything from like your average order value to the the qual qu quality and quantity of traffic that comes to your website uh, to like cart abandonment. There's just so many impacts that it has. And so it's been fun to to sort of see the growth. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, it's it's like relatively mature in e-com and in some direct-to-consumer spaces. But there's there's large spaces left that like haven't even really started dabbling in it. And I'm thinking about like B2B, for instance. Like in the B2B world, there might be a few brands that are like experimenting with creators, but it's certainly not like a top three channel, I wouldn't say, for most anyway. Yeah. I'm sure there there are some outliers. But um so you've been there now. I think uh, two or two years or three years. Three years. Three years. So, what's one of the biggest wins that you or your team have posted, or like, what's something that you're most proud of in your time there? So we, I mean, we've had a lot of really cool experiences. We had a billboard in Times Square. You know, we um, were like the number one sponsor for Shop Talk two years in a row, which is a really big retail conference that happens in Vegas. So we've had a lot of like big wins like that. But I would say. Um, like one of the one of the biggest is that we've consistently been able to sort of like be number one, and that's such a cross functional effort. Um, and it's it's of course it starts with you having a great product, right, and having customers who love the product. Like that's but that's there's a lot of companies that are like that. But in order to achieve like number one status across review sites, across like sort of industry um, and ecosystem, sort of like uh to be dominant in the way that we've been able to be it requires all i think what i'm most proud of is that it requires everybody on my team working really closely together so you have yeah. people who are sort of like managing the review sites you have people who are 
uh, focusing on like customer education and customer sentiment. You have people who are focusing on like training and enabling customers to be successful. You have um, people on my team who are focused on creating content for customers uh, to help them be more successful with Grin. You have people who are really focused on sharing customer storytelling on our website, making sure that it's everywhere online so people know what Grin can accomplish. Like we just had an amazing piece run with Marketing Dive about the work we're doing with Uber that will like no undoubtedly help us maintain like our market dominance. So I am just really proud that uh, we have a marketing engine that's able to work collaboratively to like knock big dominoes down. And so when about three years ago, when the competitive landscape was much more even, one of our goals was really to like, not just through product growth and uh, having the best, you know, actual functionality in the industry. We really wanted to make sure that people knew that Grin was the best for what we do. And uh, yeah, I'm really proud that over the last three years, we've been able to like tell that story and, and make it known. Hell yeah. Mic drop, baby. <laughs> uh, that, that's a good, uh, that's a good snippet right there. We'll definitely use that. Um, Cool. Well, that is awesome. And congratulations to you. Congratulations to your company. I love how your win story was, you know, is basically just like the village, right? Like it's not, it's not any one team or any one uh, individual. It's more just like the, the sum, the sum total of each of these parts. And it's turning out to be, you know, greater than the whole even. Yeah, for sure. And I think like, I always say this, I'm like, uh, there are some jobs that are, that in my opinion are, I can't imagine being fun, right? Like I, I don't know what I would do if I was like, uh, like, yeah, I don't know that I could do accounting or, or right. like, uh, like budget reconciliation. Like no, I do that would be that, the worst. Yeah. Th those jobs are not ones for me, but what I always say is like every job in marketing is fun. So like everybody should be having fun. And so I think like what I'm also proud of is it just seems like everybody has had a really good time because, yeah. uh, and it's not like we're stopping or anything, but it's been a crazy couple of years and think of everything that has happened within social media. Think of like what has happened with TikTok, what's happened with Instagram, how it's evolved, like through all of these rides. I think what I'm most proud of is that hopefully my team has not only gotten personal and professional growth out of the experience, but also that hopefully everybody has had fun because marketing should be fun. If you're not having fun in a marketing job, there's really no point to doing it. Just go be in sales and make more money, you know? Right. Right. That's, I mean, that's true. That's definitely true. But I like you're, you're like a good combination of like, you know, excellent marketer, marketing hacker, but also with some, with some great leadership qualities. Like I can tell you're a good, a good people manager and, and leader of people. Appreciate that. Um, so you guys are clearly kicking ass and taking names, but I'm sure that it's not all wine and roses. Like what are some of the big challenges that you, uh, that you were up against in 2023 or that you're, or that you're facing now? Yeah, I think, um, the way that people purchase software has changed a lot. Um, and this goes back to what you were talking about earlier about how like sometimes B like B2B companies have not yet fully adopted it and, and discovered influencer marketing. And I think like what we're seeing a big challenge that is across the board, even for our customers, is that um, the role of a website has changed, right? Yeah. So imagine that like you're out there and you're shopping for call recording software for your sales team. The place that you would go is you would go to the websites, right? You would go to Gong's website, you'd go to Chorus's website, you'd go to like Clary Copilot's website, you would look at the differences, and the website serves this role of helping you come to a decision. 
I think now in 2024, the role of the website is different. Like, and what I what I often will tell people is like, think of your experience with travel and how it's changed over the last like 15 years. 15 years ago, when you were deciding on where to go, you probably would have gone to like Expedia or Kayak and you would have like put your dates in and then looked at different destinations and then gone to those destinations websites and done research. Now you probably have figured out where your next trip is because you've seen travel vloggers, you've seen stuff on social media and you have decided already, I'm going to go to Thailand next or I'm going to go to Tulum next. And then you find the place. Mm. So in that particular example, the role of the hotel's website is very different than it was 15 years ago. Because yeah. now they have the, their goal is to get people who are already interested in going to Thailand to go to their website and want to stay there. As opposed yeah. to 15 years ago, it was to convince people to come to Thailand. So to, to bring that example back to how it affects us, I think like in B2B SaaS, the role of the website has changed. I think the way that people buy software has changed. And um, the journey is just much longer and starts much earlier. So if you if you if you were to ask me like five years ago, how do people decide to buy software? I would say a need arises within a business, right? Uh, someone in leadership or with buying authority delegates, like, hey, we should find a software to help us do X. And then someone goes to like G two or Google's and finds like three or four options, requests demos picks the best one based on price or, or functionality and then buys the software. I think like that is different now. And I think the journey starts a lot earlier. I think like in order to be successful now, you have to build and maintain a brand with people who are like latent state buyers who are not even open and on the market to shop. And if you're able to do that well, then you're able to, when the time is right for them, you're you're like the first option. And if you look at a lot of the like companies in SaaS that have really broken out, think of like Gong, Drift, right? These companies that have become really ubiquitous in a short amount of time, it's because they've done that, because they've made themselves so they, they've driven such awareness among latent state buyers that like I knew what Drift was before I even was shopping for a chatbot tool online. But I just knew about their marketing. I'd come across them through different social networks. I was aware of who they were. I was aware of their thought leadership. And so when the time came that I was like, hey, we actually need a chatbot on our website, they were the only option. I didn't go look at like five. I only reached out to them. And so I think like in terms of challenges, that's one big one for us is like, how can we develop a presence and a reputation with latent state buyers yeah so isn't the answer to that essentially like content like it like it was really i think the secret that you led with and i'm also thinking about hubspot right mm -hmm. like they were and always have just been a content machine like they would create tons and tons of upper funnel content it's like how to achieve this end result which like, oh, by the way, yes, HubSpot helps you achieve this, but like they delivered it in a way that like even do-it-yourselfers could do, uh, which, you know, is very similar with Gong. Like they just create tons of great like sales-related content and drift. Um, isn't that kind of like, like the answer to that is like to cr just create like really excellent content and a lot of it? I think content is a big part of it, right? Because essentially... People remember people who help them solve problems, right? right? Whether that problem is related to your technology or not is kind of irrelevant at that point. But yeah, of course, you remember the name of the person who helped you when you had a flat tire and you will remember the website that you went to where you learned something that actually helped you achieve a positive outcome in your job. So yeah. 
Um, I think content is a big part of it, but I think another part of it is sort of just like really making your brand synonymous with the category. And so yeah. like in the same way that people reach for a Kleenex instead of a facial tissue, it's like when people want call recording, like, you know, I, I've, I've worked at companies where we have not used gong and people have been like, Oh, did you pull the gong recording? And it's like, it just has become ubiquitous. And that's through content marketing. It's through really strong branding. It's through really differentiated storytelling and strategic narrative. And I think like a big challenge for us this year is making sure that we, I think we've, we've evolved a lot there, but like continuing that so that when people are thinking of influencer marketing, they're thinking of grin. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's definitely a tough challenge. Um, And I guess that's sort of the Holy grail is yeah. like how, how to be, you know, people don't, reach for a uh a cola based drink like they want a coke or a pepsi and i probably more more so a coke but yeah so how so do you guys have a a plan of any sort like what how are you gonna tackle that it seems like a huge like a huge mission and actually i guess you're i guess the playbook like being known as the playbook creator could could go a long way but if you think about hubspot and marketo did they create that playbook before they were already synonymous with their category or were they first synonymous with the category and then they rolled out the playbook i'm not sure i think from what i remember it happened around the same time and so that's like my hope is that you know we will continue to like sort of build the scientific formula for how to succeed with creators as the company continues to grow as we have been. So I think it, and I think both sort of will feed off of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you measure something like that? Like that's where my, my head is going right now, because I'm thinking like, like you, you may already be that for some buyers, right? Like there's a lot of buyers out there sure. and I'm sure there's buyers that have been following you for years. They're in that, you know, sort of nascent, like not even in market category, but they've been reading all your posts, you know, like certain individuals I'm sure are like all over everything that you guys post and all over every, and you're already synonymous, like in their view with the category. But I guess you, you know, you want that more broadly across the market, but what are you guys thinking in terms of like measuring something like that? Um, I think for me, the success metric is is seeing the category grow, right? So like, for example, on LinkedIn, there's X amount of people who have influencer marketing in their job title. Like if I see that number grow year over year, um, and then hopefully a portion of those people will be, have a grin certification um, or will have like, you know, engage with content of ours. To me, that's what shows success. But I think like the whole, the whole endeavor behind category creation is like, it's not just for you and for your company. It's for it's for the world, right? So like we pioneered the category, the the phrase creator management. Like we were the first to to use it, and we were the first to integrate it into the this category of what th this product type of what we do. And now that phrase is used everywhere, even on our competitors' websites. They will use the phrase creator management, and that's mm -hmm. fine because the category is not does not belong to us. It belongs to the creator economy we just are the leaders and the pioneers of it so um i guess like the the more the category grows the more grin will inevitably grow as well so like if this year there are a hundred thousand people who have influencer marketing in their title on linkedin and 
through us creating thought leadership content, putting ourselves out there, helping people understand how to do this better. If next year there's 250,000 people with that title, I will take that as a win. Because even though not every single one of those people is grand customers yet, um, if the category is growing, our market share inevitably grows. And if we're the leader in the market and we created the playbook, they will come to us eventually. Mm-hmm. Amen. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, that sounds like a massive challenge and massive opportunity. What else? What else keeps you keep you uh, keeps you guys up at night? Um, I think figuring out a smart way to integrate AI into into marketing is a big one, and I'm sure something that yeah. a lot of people are are you know thinking about. Um, I think like initially there was this burst where people were like, "Oh my God, let's use it to do everything. We'll use it to build all of our future plans. We'll use it to write all of our ad copy. We'll use it to write all of our blogs." And I think like the sun is sort of set on that dream in that. AI has to be guided and it can do a lot of efficiency and create a lot of efficiencies very quickly, but it's not like a magic bullet. Um, But just thinking through, like, I think the name of the game for so many marketers this year is like do more with less. And so thinking through ways that we can use AI to help keep our team more efficient and move faster, not necessarily Mm -hmm. like replace people's job functions. Yeah. Like content repurposing seems like a great application for AI. Yeah. Like plugging piece of content and seeing like what else can we do with this yeah or like take this like like take this long form piece of content and create a facebook ad create a linkedin ad um or vice versa you know here's a linkedin ad like help me to outline a longer form content piece and then build in you know sort of uh headline by or then build out the outline from there yeah, I mean, I think it definitely is helpful and a good starting point. I think where people often go wrong with this is like what AI will never be able to replace is creativity because creativity is born like from within. And it's something that like if you sit and you spend time and you put your like not to be corny, but if you put your like heart and spirit into something, you will come up with richer and and better ideas than if you just try and phone it in. And so like right. I think. I think to your point, let's say you take a long form piece of content and you're like, hey, come up with five like paid ads taglines for this. It'll give you five, but it doesn't have all of the context and all of the awareness and also all of the individual knowledge that you as the person running ads has. So it's a good starting point, but you can't uh, you can't run a marketing team without creativity. Like, yeah, it just won't work. And like we've seen that so much recently with like uh, with design tools that are using AI, it's like, hey, create a graphic for this or create a logo. And it's like, they're usually bad. And that's what most people say. And they're bad because like a designer who has like the skill of artistry and design is able to bring so much more to something than like a robot will. And, uh, right. and I think in the same way that like, I used to work in, for an event marketing company. And I remember there was all of this chatter about, oh, virtual conferences are really gonna like take over. And then because it's so much cheaper, people don't have to travel. People don't have to stay in a hotel. They don't have to leave their families. And then during COVID, people especially were like, yeah, virtual conferences are never going to go away. People are never going to want to like leave their homes to fly to Vegas to go to like a musty convention hall ever again. And they've never taken off. And the reason why is because there is something real about people meeting each other in person and interacting. Like you can never take that away and you can't replicate it. And so I think when it comes to marketing, I feel that same way about like the creative spirit. You can never replicate it through AI. True that. Yeah, I would agree. You can't, there, there's something about human creativity that you will not be able to replicate. Um, 
you can, I think, use it as a as a, like a brainstorming tool. For sure. You know, it's like it's like, hey, here's the research that I've done. Like Quinn probably does this already, but it's like, hey, here's the, here's some of my research. Like here's my goal. Here's some of my research. Give me some ideas for doing X or Y with it. Um, generally won't give you an output that like you can, you know, copy paste and use, but it like, it can point you in certain directions that are useful. For sure. Like I asked, um, if you drive efficiency for sure. We've got a client actually that does uh, a lot of like UGC ads. So it'll basically be like, you know, did you know that, uh, you know, like, like a classic sort of UGC style ad. So I asked it, I asked AI, I was like, Hey, you know, here's a little bit about the client, uh, write some video scripts for me in the style of Mr. Beast, you know, Mr. Beast, the YouTuber. Um, and what it came back with was actually really good. Like it came out with some really good video script ideas. And then I was like, yeah, but we don't have like a big production budget. Like how can we do this with fewer actors or fewer resources? And it came, it came back with something pretty good. I can share it with you. That's awesome. Yeah, I would love to see it. I mean, I think it um, sometimes the hardest part about being creative is just starting, right? Like, let's yeah. say you have a really creative thing that you need to work on or you need to devote a lot of creativity to, but you've been in back-to-back meetings all day. Like, the hardest thing is just, like, actually, like, getting the first few ideas down. And AI can yeah. be really helpful with that, with, like, getting the brainstorm started, getting the ideas flowing, and then you, you and your creative brain sort of take it over from there. Totally, totally. Cool. Well, Ali, this has been awesome. Time has gotten away from us. I want to be <laughs> respectful of your time. Um, but thank you very much. This this has been really great. Yeah, likewise. I really enjoyed the chat. Um, and yeah, if people uh, are looking to, to find me, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, and you can find everything about Grin at Grin.co. Brilliant. Love that. And um, yeah, I, and I was really impressed with you personally. I think that you know, you're a brilliant marketer and also a great leader. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, and it sounds like you've got a really strong team. And Grin is freaking awesome. I'm about to I'm about to sign up, even though we're B2B, and just see like what we might be able to do with it. Hey, we have we have B2B customers who are super successful. So you know, you know the right person to call if you if you want to learn more. Nice. All right. Well, for everybody listening, that was another exciting episode of Revenue Driven CMO. And we will see you next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revenuedrivencmo.com. That's revenuedrivencmo.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, web mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside. 
unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, no hyphens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision.